Support for NPR and the following message come from American Express. American Express brought together 100-plus companies to provide offers and resources to help small business stay in business. Visit standforsmall.com partner, powered by American Express. From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now, here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Nice to see you. Uh, we have two amazing guests on the show, both comedians, Josh Gondelman and Catherine Cohen. Yeah. June. June is also Pride Month. Celebrating Pride, yeah. You know, I, Pride has gotten a lot more corporate in the last decade. I would say, like, if I did not know and I just had to decide what was being celebrated by watching the parade, I would be like, Rainbow Financial Institutions? <laughs> <laughs> and it's Father's Day. Father's Day! I know, oh. I know. My it, special day. I know, you're, but I gotta say, dads get off pretty easy on Father's Day. I mean, really, you pick up the right kid from the playground, and everyone's like, what a great dad. What a great dad. <laughs> do you get, like, a big day at home? Big Father's Day? I don't, no. I gotta do the same amount of work I always have to do. Oh! <laughs> just kidding, I'm just kidding. What? Please don't put that on the radio, it's a joke. What, what kind of gift do you get? Uh, what kind of gift do I get? You know, the, the kids, they're a little old for this now, but they used to do the thing where they would be like, ooh, let's make daddy breakfast, you know? Yeah, And then good? they would bring me breakfast and it would be like, chocolate chip omelet. <gasps> and like bread that they made. <laughs> you know. Bread that they made. <laughs> you Is know. that Play-Doh? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> And it was always, and then they would leave the kitchen filthy and I would have to clean it. Oh, then you have to clean up. Yeah. Aww. So it's like, thanks, thanks very much. I, did you uh, ever get like a, uh, I don't know, like a, uh, I remember making in elementary school like ties out of cardboard or maybe some fibers and then painting them uh, and giving to my every father. Every dad wants a cardboard tie, yeah. for sure. And then being upset, I was like, are you going to wear it to work? <laughs> yeah, and he was right. like, no. My dad, I will tell you this, my dad, when I was a little kid, I must have been, you know, five or six, I gave my dad a, a desk set that I made out of, like, toilet paper rolls glued to a piece of cardboard yeah. and then painted and covered with glitter. He was a corporate lawyer. He had that on his desk <laughs> forever. Like when I was 40, that's, I would go in adorable. to see him, and he would still have that pencil holder on his desk. That's adorable. Yeah. So that just goes to show you what a great pencil holder I made. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're going to have a great time. Let's play some games. (laughs) Our first game is about weird names for body parts. Guess what? The technical term for the back of your knee isn't knee pit. I didn't know that. That's why I'm not a doctor. First up, Zach Elwin, who is visiting us from Landenburg, Pennsylvania. Hello. Hey. And I hear that you're trying to uh, rent some goats. Uh, We fenced in the yard for our dogs, and uh, we discovered that now we need goats to make the the yard habitable for the dogs. And what's the hourly rate? Do you know? The the one place that I talked to, actually, the charge for a two-week cleanup crew of five goats. (laughs) Yeah. There's an actual rate. Sure. Is uh, about $1,500. For two weeks? For two weeks. That's a pretty good wage. Yeah. I could eat a bunch of plants for two weeks. <laughs> I know. For 1500 bucks. Okay, Zach, when you ring in, we will hear this. Your opponent is Lowell Williams. You work in cybersecurity for an international bank, and you used to work in counterterrorism for the FBI. So I imagine you have had quite a lot of clearance in your uh, life um, as far as your employment is concerned. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Since I was a teenager. Yeah. Have you ever accidentally mentioned a news item to someone assuming that they already knew it? Absolutely not. No, because you're good at your job. <laughs> I was just, that was a trick question I was asked to ask you on behalf of the FBI. <laughs> Lowell, when you ring in, we'll hear this. 
Zach and Lowell, whoever has more points after two games will go on to our final round. This is a guessing game called Get Your Cranium in the Game. Jonathan and I will ask multiple choice questions about obscure terms for body parts. Ring in to answer, and here we go. If your lunula comes out, what happens? A, you lost your baby teeth. B, your fingernail fell off. C, you just became a woman. <laughs> Lowell. B, fingernail. That is correct. <laughs> yes. Nice job. It is the crescent white part uh, of, at the bottom of your fingernail. I like a man with a hairy glabella. So which of the... <laughs> so which of the following is true? A, Eugene Levy's unibrow gets me going. B, Tom Selleck's mustache is my cup of tea. Or C, I can't stop fantasizing about John Hamm's chest hair. Zach. I'm going to go with A. A is correct. Glabella is the area between the eyebrows where a unibrow might grow. Mm. P.S. All of those things can be true also. For you personally. For me personally. Yeah. If someone offers you a condyle sandwich, what should you say? A, no thanks. I want a sandwich in my stomach, not a stomach on my sandwich. B, no thanks. I don't eat eyeballs. Or C, yes, punch me in the mouth. I deserve it. Zach. I'm going to go with C. Yeah, C is correct. So a condyle is another word for the, the rounded part of a bone in a joint, like, a, like the knuckle. The knuckle. Yeah, so a knuckle sandwich, for instance. <laughs> That's right. Although, I, if someone offers you a condyle sandwich, it's a pretty nerdy bully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. You could probably take it. <laughs> it would be like, all right, I'll do it. If someone shows you their snuff box, what should you do? <laughs> A, return their thumbs up. B, report them to HR. C, call an ambulance immediately. Lowell. C. Call an ambulance immediately? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know what's going on in your mind, but we'll get back to that later. I'm sorry that is incorrect. Zach, can you steal? I'm going to go with report them to HR. Oh, interesting. Both incorrect. <laughs> it's actually return their thumbs up. A snuff box is the triangular depression between your thumb and uh, your wrist when you make a thumbs up uh, and called a snuff box because it's the space where you could hold a pinch of snuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's the place you put your snuff. That's where you put your snuff. All right, great game. Zach is in the lead. Next, we'll play a game about songs that contain factual inaccuracies, like that Shaggy song, It Wasn't Me. A lot of people don't know this, but it was him. This audio quiz is called You Heard It Wrong Right. We're going to play a real song clip containing a factual inaccuracy. Ring in and tell us what is wrong with the lyrics. And if you get that right for a bonus point, you can identify the song or the artist. Zach, stay in the lead, and you will be in the final round. Lowell, you need to get more points or we'll revoke your poetic license. <laughs> Think about it. Here's your first clip. Zach. Um, thunder and rain are not tied together. They can happen independently. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> A little long-winded, sorry. <laughs> thunder doesn't have to pal around with rain all day long. No, no. They're their own people. They go their own way. That's right. They go their own way. And for a bonus point, can you identify the song or artist? I think it's Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, sure is. Okay, this next one is for all of you spelling bee champs out there. Lol. They spelled tasty wrong. That is correct. <laughs> 
They spell it with an E, and it does not have an E in it. For a bonus point, can you identify the song or artist? Well, I heard Fergie's name, so Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> I was I, right before I said I, that, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so we can't take that Fergie. It's Fergalicious, Fergie, Black Eyed Peas. No, we cannot accept it. It actually says all over this entire script, do not accept Black Eyed Peas. Do not accept Black Eyed Peas. So, but you, you did get a point. Can you identify what's wrong with this aside from the double negative at the end? Sometimes I feel like I live in Grand Central Station. Lol. Okay, so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can't live in Grand Central Station anymore. That apartment's gone. Um, oh. That's about all I've got. <laughs> Sorry. Zach, can you steal? I'm shaking my head no because I have no clue. Uh, what we were looking for there is it's sometimes I feel like I live in Grand Central Station. It's actually Grand Central Terminal, Terminal. is the name. I, I, I knew that. I know. I know. That's right. Don't boo. This is what our listeners need. <laughs> this is what they send us. Now we are giving it back. Yeah. How do you like it? <laughs> Uh, and that is Telephone by Lady Gaga. There is no bonus point in this case, but with Beyonce, of course. And as far as I'm concerned, if Lady Gaga and Beyonce call it Grand Central Station, that is its new name. Good enough for me. Here's your last clip. Sometimes the snow comes down in June. Sometimes the sun goes round the moon. Zach. Yeah, the sun doesn't go around the moon. Um, and it does actually snow in, uh, I think it's Morocco, northern Africa. There are some places where it snows. Calgary, Alberta, Canada, where I grew up, can snow in June. Just so you know, you just look up. <laughs> uh, but I liked your added knowledge, and you are correct. The sun does not go around the moon yet. Uh, for a bonus point, can you name the song or artist? I should know, but I don't. I'm sorry. That song was Save the Best for Last by Vanessa Williams. Great couple of games. Thank you so much. And congratulations, Zach. You are moving on to the final round. Coming up, comedian Josh Gondelman will be here. He's known for being super nice, but I'll break him. I'm Lafira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Yext, the next big thing in search. Have you ever gone to a company's website, typed a question into their search, and gotten nowhere? If your website can't answer your customers' questions, Yext Answers can help. Yext Answers is an innovative site search product that helps your website grow your business. Go to yext.com for a free trial today. This message comes from NPR sponsor Splunk. At Splunk, they believe every problem is a data problem, and their data-to-everything platform helps people everywhere solve their biggest challenges. Splunk can help you turn your real-time data from across your organization into successful outcomes for security, IT, DevOps, and, well, everything. Learn more about Splunk, the data-to-everything platform, at splunk.com D2E. This message comes from NPR sponsor WNYC Studios with the United States of Anxiety. Host Kai Wright leads a conversation about what it really means to live in a multiracial society and what it demands of us all. The United States of Anxiety, available wherever you get podcasts. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. It's time to meet our first special guest. He's a comedian and a producer and writer on the Showtime series, Jesus and Marrow. His new book of personal essays is called Nice Try, Stories of Best Intentions and Mixed Results. Please welcome to the stage, Josh Gondelman. Josh! Such a pleasure. Oh my gosh, what a joy, Ophira. Welcome to Ask Me Another. Thank you for having... They're laughing at my very essence. <laughs> they are laughing at your essence. 
They're like, this guy is a comical, whimsical man. <laughs> They're already happy. They're happy. You know, so one of the things I love about you, uh, which is you give these pep talks on Twitter, and people really open up. It's really fascinating, and that sounds so clinical, but I'm really flattered and touched by the way because people will sometimes respond I'll just say like hey if anyone needs to hear a kind word uh, let me know I'm here for five minutes for a pep talk and people will say things as ranging as like uh, my father is sick or like I just lost my job and I'm worried about providing for my family and like I'm not qualified to solve those problems but I can say like probably something good will happen in the future (laughs) Your father can only die once, and then... That's not, that's not where I start, but, like, I'm just saying, worst-case scenario, that's where I end up. How long have you been doing this? Probably, like, six or seven years. Yeah, okay. And I do it pretty regularly. I definitely, like, when I'm on the road doing stand-up, I'll do it a lot, because there, it's just, like, the night ends, and, like, there's nobody... When I'm at home, my wife is asleep, and I'm like, oh, good idea. Um, right. And then I go to sleep. But when I'm on the road, I'm just like, well, there's always infomercials. Yeah, <laughs> so right. Like, the hours, just the hours. Yeah, there's on- so many hours. Even the bad ones. And you forget how bad they are. You do forget. You just, like, stare them down. You're like, 3 a.m., let's dance. <laughs> Uh, and why why did you start this? I started doing it because I think I was in a little bit of a rough place personally. And I was like, I would love a kind word from mm. someone. And, but instead of like asking, because I could have gone on the internet and been like, internet, will you say a nice thing to me? And like probably some people would have. And then a few other people would have been like, eat a pile of poop. And I would have been like, <laughs> yeah, okay, I get it. This is the internet. But I was like, instead of asking for that, I, maybe someone else feels the way I do and I can do something for them that will make them feel a little better and then I will feel commensurately better. So 2014, you land a big gig working on Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Yeah, that's true. But you were, you were hired in the first season. I was. And, you know, you've been working on it for many years. And you, I mean, that was the big break. You left your day job. You were an SAT prep yeah, tutor. Yeah, I, pre- I was doing SAT prep, but also like prep school entrance exam test prep, which is like a big thing in New York. Um. But you kept that job until the last day? There was no time in between. I I kept the test prep job through my like third week working in television because I started right before the March SAT administration. And so I didn't want to like leave my last couple students in the lurch. So I like had, it might've just been one kid that I worked with. And so I had a couple last sessions with her because I didn't want to be like, "Uh, I'm living my dream. So figure it (laughs) out for yourself, kid. Yeah. But now you have a great new job. You're, you're a boss. You're a supervising producer and writer for another show, Showtime's Late Night Talk Show with the comedians Jesus and Marrow. So that's like a whole... Yeah, yeah thank that's you. They're like the best. a whole cool new I mean, job. John is also the best, but they're also the best. Yeah. <laughs> but it does feel to me like a tonally, it's a totally different... It's a switch. It's like a 180. It is the opposite job. From working on the writing for John Oliver. Yeah, truly, like, my media diet went from, um, like, watching frontline documentaries in my office with my headphones in and, like, just weeping softly (laughs) at my old job. Just a lot of soft weeping, which is uh, a weirdly large part of my comedy career, um, (laughs) is the crying. And and now it's a lot of, like, well, let's see what's new on World Star Hip Hop today. (laughs) Okay, so you have a new book coming out of personal essays. I love the name. It's called Nice Try, Stories of Best Intentions and Mixed Results. This is literally the story of my life. Yes. <laughs> and so we mentioned earlier that you have a reputation of being nice in comedy. And in the beginning of this book, you talk about this. And actually, you make a comparison, a parallel between yourself and the Patrick Swayze film Roadhouse. Yes. Can you just give that? Sure. So for those of you who don't know Roadhouse, shame. Um, <laughs> But there's this speech, the the plot of Roadhouse is Patrick Swayze is America's best bouncer, and he comes to (laughs) bounce at America's worst bar, the Double Deuce. And so Patrick Swayze 
he he gives a speech about how it's important to be nice, right? Like when when someone is being a jerk at the bar, you be nice, and if you have to walk them out, you be nice, and if they're it's intractable, you get a friend or a colleague, and then uh, and you both be nice, and then the the speech kind of culminates with someone asking like, well, how do I know when to not be nice? And he says, I'll I'll tell you, and I'm still waiting for someone to tell me <laughs> like when to not be nice. <laughs> Come on, there has to be a time when you were mean. Occasionally, I'll get snappy with strangers, but it always comes out so weak. Like, it, oh, it's so humiliating when I try to be unkind. It's, like, <laughs> truly brutal. I was, like, years ago, I was at an airport, and I was traveling alone. I had, like, a layover on my way home from a gig, and I was like, I just want to leave my bag so I can pee. I don't want to, like, drag all my, my bag and my backpack into the bathroom. And I said, I'm so sorry. I know you're not supposed to do this. There's just a woman sitting there. I said, would you mind if I left my bag near you? I'm just going to run and pee. I'll be back within three minutes. And she said, well, you know, that's not allowed, so I won't do that. And I said, well, enjoy living in fear. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Why? She was right. <laughs> I just picked the wrong battles. <laughs> All right, Josh, are you ready yes. for your Ask Me Another Challenge? All right, Fantastic. Josh Gondeman, please welcome your opponent, comedian Catherine Cohen. Stop. I am so shy. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Catherine. How are nice you? to see you. Nice to see you as well. Uh, thank you for joining us for this competitive challenge. Oh, my God. My greatest pleasure. This game is inspired by Josh's family tradition of eating Klondike bars before Bruins hockey games. That's true. Okay. Can you please tell us about this tradition? <laughs> sure. So this was 2011. The Bruins were in the Stanley Cup finals against the Vancouver Canucks, which still sounds like a slur. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. And It's the Vancouver Canucks. It's fine. Um, it's like saying the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, but I know what a duck is. <laughs> And I can call a duck a duck and they'll never get mad at me. <laughs> so they were in the, the Stanley Cup finals and my, um, so that's the best. I don't know any of the words That's like when you win, that's like when you're the most hockey. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So they would, my dad and my sister would eat a Klondike bar before the game. They just, it just happened that that was the dessert they were eating. And every time they ate one, it felt like the Boston Bruins, that's the hockey team, won the hockey game. That's hockey. So they kept doing it. So I recorded my first stand-up album during that series. And my dad and my sister, it was during a game. And they came, which is very un-Boston of them, (laughs) to turn their back on sports for a couple hours. (laughs) And so they came and they brought Klondike bars to the show. And they gave them out to anyone in the audience, which is super cute. Yeah, sobbing. They're adorable. Yeah. So this is a game. It's a two truths and a lie game called Sports Superstition Edition. I'll list three superstitions related to sports. Two are things people actually believe. One is something we have made up. And after I've finished reading the question, ring in and tell me which one is the lie. All right, here we, let's give it a shot. <laughs> which of these is a made-up story about an athlete reluctant to give up his lucky gear? A, Michael Jordan wore his college basketball shorts under his NBA shorts. B, baseball legend Reggie Jackson didn't want to give up his batting helmet, so when he switched teams, he had it painted over with a new team's logo. Mm. Or Rafael Nadal only wears tennis shoes handmade by artisans in Spain to the point where he's passed on sneaker endorsement deals. Josh. That, that third one, Rafael Nadal, that, if that's true, that's ridiculous. What do you have, Daniel Day-Lewis make all his tennis shoes? <laughs> You're right, Nadal has a Nike endorsement deal, so Mm. you are correct, Mm -hmm. but Rafael Nadal has a ton of rituals. He uh, takes a freezing cold shower before he goes into any match. Because he's too (laughs) for tennis. (laughs) (laughs) He has a thing about his placement of his energy drinks and waters, uh, you know, with the labels facing towards the court. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know. It's tough. It's tough being him. Okay, in photography, which of these is not a popular superstition? It is bad luck to appear on the cover of Sports Illustrated. B, it's bad luck to appear on the cover of a Madden football video game. Or C, it is bad luck to appear in an underwear ad. Josh. Um, C, I know the Madden curse is real. Yeah. And I think Sports Illustrated... 
I'm going to say underwear. I'm going to stick with underwear. It's true. Wow. You got it right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, never appear on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Supposedly, right after that, you get injured. Oh, I have to call my manager. Oh, no. <laughs> In socks. Which of these isn't true? Serena Williams reportedly wears the same pair of socks for the duration of a tennis tournament. Soccer star Abby Wambach cuts toe holes in her socks, saying it helps her kick straight. Or Olympic cyclist Laura Trott won a race while wearing a wet sock, and after that, she wore one wet sock during every race. Oh, that's perverted. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> yeah, which one's not true? Okay, I'll guess. Yeah, Catherine. I guess one is wrong. The Serena Williams. Mm-hmm. That one's real. Okay, I Interesting. Go. Josh, can you steal? <laughs> I think the, the wet sock thing is true but gross. True that- but gross, the, the name of my novel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Of essays. My essays. Extremely true and incredibly gross. (laughs) I think it's B. I think it's the toe holes. You are correct. Yeah, she doesn't do that. Thank you. All right, and finally, which of these is not a raw seafood item hockey fans have thrown on the ice? A octopuses thrown by Detroit Red Wings fans, scallops thrown by Las Vegas Golden Knights fans, or catfish thrown by Nashville Predators fans. Honey, no one's throwing a scallop on the ice. Ding dong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's true, scallops are not thrown on the ice because, right, too expensive. They taste too good. Yeah, they're very tasty. Josh is the winner of that game. Wow. Catherine got way more style points, I do believe. Way more style points. It couldn't have happened to a better man. But congratulations, Josh, you and listener Nikki Matosian from San Diego, California, both won Ask Me Another Rubik's Cubes. So exciting. Josh Gondelman's latest comedy album is called Dancing on a Weeknight. He and Catherine will be back later in the show, but give it up for Josh Gondelman and Catherine Cohen. Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. In our next game, we're taking famous writers to the beach. As Jane Austen said, it's a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of catching a gnarly wave. Let's meet our contestants. First up, Michelle Barris. You work for a financial company, and you've been collecting rocks and geodes for most of your life. I have this for is about excellent. 25 years. 25 years? Okay, what's your first one? Like um, quartz? Those, you know. I have a bunch of rose quartz. Really? And then I have a mother of pearl obelisk. That's beautiful. Yes, and they're all displayed in my apartment with my husband. How many do you have in total? Uh, he thinks I have 10, but we have 25 around the apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Michelle, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Your opponent is Matt Spiegel. You're visiting us from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Yes, I am. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Where you work for the State Library. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, very NPR. So, very NPR. <laughs> What's the most, one of the most exciting moments about working in the library for oh you? Oh my gosh, there are tons of them. Uh, we, have a, we have a great rare books collection. Yeah. Uh, the State Library was started by Ben Franklin, so thinking about that is kind of a cold notion. Are rare books still coming through that people oh, donate? Gosh. or Yeah? Yeah, we get things uh, from Lewis and Clark. We get, all, we get all sorts of really cool stuff, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so Matt, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Remember, Michelle and Matt, whoever has more points after two games will go to our final round. Okay, so in honor of summer, this word game is called Beach Reads. You're going to mash up beach things and famous writers. For example, if I said Jay Gatsby and Daisy Buchanan are so pale, they'd better pick a sunscreen with a high sun protection factor. You would answer SPF Scott Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The beach thing will always come first in the mashup. Here we go. According to the tongue twister, she sells seashells by this place. She stole them from an animal farm in 1984. Matt. I want to say it has something to do with Mary Shelley. With Mary Shelley? Okay. But I can't quite get there. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Michelle, do you want to steal this? I don't think I fully can steal, but I can half steal. Sure. Maybe that rounds up. But uh, (laughs) sure, so sure, uh, sells by the shore. And animal farm author? 
Oh. Yeah, yeah you want to go any further there? No. Okay, Matt, do you want to just say it, even though we can't give you the... She sells seashells by the seashore. Well? <laughs> yeah, that's what we were going for. That's right. That's right. Okay. Mmm, I love this tequila cocktail with salt on the rim. So happy it's garnished with the newest Atlantic piece by the writer of Between the World and Me. And we were eight years in power. <laughs> Michelle. Uh, M- Marguerite Tanahasi Coates. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. This famous neurologist wrote the books Awakenings and The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat. He should have written a book about himself called The Man Who Fell in Love with an Inflatable Plastic Sphere. Michelle. I think it's Oliver Sacks. Uh-huh. Uh, Bolliver Sacks? Beach Bolliver Sacks? Yes, we'll take that. Beach Bolliver Sacks. Well done. This sticky, soft candy is made fast and loose. Sold on boardwalks everywhere, it comes in many flavors, like watermelon, mint banana, Ethan Frome, and the Age of Innocence. Mm. (laughs) Michelle. So it's Taffy and Edith Warden? (laughs) Yeah, well, put them together. Edith Taffy, Edith Warden? The... Yes, Taffy is warm. There you go. Okay, this is your last clue. If you are going to conduct an interview with the vampire, don't make him meet you at the beach. He burns easily, and bronze skin would ruin his look anyway. Michelle. Tan rice. Yeah, it's tan rice. Good enough, tan rice. Well done. Okay, hard game. Michelle is in the lead. Ask Me Another is coming to Seattle for a live taping at the Moore Theater on June 20th. And our special guest is comedian and host of Nailed It, Nicole Byer. So if you're around the Seattle area or in Seattle, join us for NPR's hour of puzzles, toss salads, and scrambled eggs. Info at amatickets.org. Coming up, comedian Catherine Cohen will join us. GQ called her one of seven people reshaping comedy. Now it's going to be a rhombus. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting the next installment of Fargo. Family is complicated. Crime is organized. The all-new Fargo takes you to 1950s Kansas City, where two criminal syndicates have struck an uneasy truce as they both fight for their piece of the American dream. Chris Rock and Jason Schwartzman star in this original tale of immigration, assimilation, and power. The fourth installment of Fargo premieres with back-to-back episodes Sunday, September 27th at 9 p.m. on FX and streams next day FX on Hulu. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Blinds.com. Transforming your home into even more of a sanctuary is easy and affordable with Blinds.com. They make it simple to shop top quality blinds, shades, and interior shutters from home with easy online ordering and free shipping. And Blinds.com guarantees the perfect fit. Go right now and see how much you can save at Blinds.com. When you check out online, mention that you heard about Blinds.com from Code Switch. Rules and restrictions may apply. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Before the break, we met our contestants, Michelle and Matt. Let's go to your next game. Michelle, what would you name your pet rock? I would have to say Bullwinkle. Because okay. Rocky would be too obvious. Ah, <laughs> nice. I like it. Sorry, that came out sounding like, like a pun. It. I didn't yep. mean it too. <laughs> Good one. Matt, what would you name your pet rock? How about Dwayne? The Rock. Yes, also good. I enjoy, I enjoy. Your next game is a music parody called Disco-y History. Michelle, stay in the lead and you're in the final round. Matt, you need to get more points or your mood ring will turn black oh, no. and you will not be able to figure out what that means. <laughs> it's probably not good news. I don't think so. We rewrote disco classics to be about things from the height of disco, the 1970s. Ring in and tell me what 70s thing I'm singing about. 
If you're right, you can earn a bonus point by naming the original song or artist who made it famous. You ready? Yes. Yes. Okay. We're celebrating the U.S. of A. Happy 200th to the U.S. of A. Matt. The Bicentennial. That is correct. The Bicentennial. Uh, For a bonus point, Matt, can you name the original song or artist? That was the YMCA by the Village People? That's correct. Oh, I love this game show. I'm guessing letters. Circles spinning around for me. Yeah, it's just like Hangman. Vanna turns letters. Gonna buy a vowel and E. Michelle. Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune, you got it. And can you name the song or artist for a bonus point? I can't, but I'll just guess John Denver. It's a great guess, but it's incorrect. That was I Love the Nightlife by Alicia Bridges. I'm on the air, but if you want to see, you must subscribe to me. I'm on the air. My tagline does decree that this is not TV. Matt. HBO? HBO is the answer. You got it. And can you name that song or artist? I can sing it. Is it uh, I'm Coming Out? Yeah, that's right. Diana Ross. Yeah. Can I hear you sing it? Are you a good singer? Do you want to sing Uh, it? No, you may not. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like it was in you. (laughs) Gotta make a move because this town is unsafe for me. Southeast Pennsylvania got some radiation energy. Reacted to, reacted to, reacted to, it's reacted to. Melting down, melting down, holy crap, it's melting down. (laughs) Matt. That was Three Mile Island. It was, that's correct. And can you name the song or artist? Is that Electric Avenue? That is a fun... Oh, no. (laughs) You shocked the crowd, man. No, No, that is is incorrect. That was Funky Town Mm. by Lips, Inc. This is your last clue. Ah, baby. I broke into the office of the DNC. Screwed up pretty bad and they arrested me. These two reporters noticed and they asked around They followed the money and guess what they found the President's involved in this conspiracy Then impeachment, resignation, and a guilty plea Water- Michelle Watergate Watergate is correct uh, It's fun reminiscing Oh boy, remember when? <laughs> Uh, for a bonus point, can you name the song or artist? Sorry, no. You don't have to apologize to me. That's Don't Leave Me This Way by Thelma Houston. How do our contestants do, Afira? Congratulations. After two games, Michelle is moving on to our final round. All right, everybody, please welcome back to the stage our next special guest. She's an actor, comedian, singer, and she co-hosts the podcast Seek Treatment. It's comedian Catherine Cohen. Stop. I'm shy. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So nice having you. So in 2018, Time Out New York called you a comedian to watch, and just recently GQ named you as a comedian reshaping comedy. Stop. So what shape... (laughs) My first question is, what shape would you like to make it? (gasps) Oh, my God. A star. A star, yeah, yeah. Good. It's That's too good. easy. You can't write this stuff. No. <laughs> uh, you know, when you hear stuff like that, are you processing this praise by being like, yeah, that's right, recognized for my talent? Or are you like, oh my goodness, everybody's watching? Yeah, I'm like, hell yeah, that's right. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I'm one of the only people on earth who doesn't suffer from imposter syndrome. I'm like, absolutely, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Against all odds. <laughs> Is that, you were just always raised with a great sense yeah. of self? Yes, my, um, I was praised too much as a child. Really? Yes, when I, when I answer the phone and my, my dad calls me, he goes, how's the most perfect girl in the world doing? 
And that's why I'm like this. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Now we know. Uh, So you do comedy. You also have a great singing voice. And your show, the live shows that you do, it's cabaret to a certain extent, but there's a lot more comedy. And cabaret is having a resurgence right now in New York. It's exciting. And I can't tell if it's because there's a lot of people with a lot of great talent that have found the space or if there's some spaces that opened up that are bringing the talent. Oh, my God. I think it's a gorgeous combination. I was lucky enough to have Club Coming open in the East Village. Yes, it's Alan Cummings. After Alan Cummings, his venue that he opened up. Amazing nightclub. Everyone who is involved in that space is just an absolute dream. And, yeah, that gave me a platform to have a weekly show and invite all my friends and encourage them to sing because I had my amazing piano player and co-composer Henry Kapersky on keys. Yeah, but in general, I feel like there was a lot of deadpan, kind of like guys in hoodie comedy. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what if we made this fashion? <laughs> I was like, being deadpan so yawn, I was like, how about we just be so over the top and obnoxious? And uh, it's taken off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you have this weekly show. I love the name of it, Cabernet Cabaret. I always forget that it's called that. It's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. Because if you Google that, it's like there's 4,000 shows across the nation called, called Cabernet Cabaret. I'm sure. Right. Okay. But mine is actually different. <laughs> <laughs> and is the person that you are on stage, is it a version of yourself mm. or is it, yeah, it's a persona? I, it's uh, it's pretty close to home. I would say, you're like, okay, you're so horrible to be around. Um, no, actually, uh, we had um, one of my favorite comedians, Naomi Ekperigan, on Seek Treatment, and she described the podcast as pure id, and I feel like that's what my persona <laughs> is. It's like me if I didn't have to, you know, deal with social niceties, et cetera. Right, right, because, right, you're in control. You yes, get to control yes. it completely. But I'm, I want everyone to know I'm, I'm very pleasant offstage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, laughing too loud. <laughs> And you mentioned you host this, uh, you co-host this weekly podcast yes. with Pat Regan called Seek Treatment. It's about sex and dating and sex. So what insight are you guys adding to the world of sex, dating, sex, etc.? Literally nothing. No, <laughs> okay. it's, as, as my co-host Pat says, the podcast is ultimately harmful to ourselves, our families, our friends, and anyone involved. <laughs> It is a purely selfish, uh, masochistic act to have this podcast. <laughs> I talk about my dating life sort of in real time, and it's come mm. back to bite me uh, many times. Yeah. Because people that you're dating are like, what's going on here? You cannot share that? Yeah, why'd you say that? Or like, oh, I didn't know you were seeing that person too. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, honey, wake up, it's 2019. <laughs> are they ever just flattered? Oh, I made it into the podcast. Oh, God. Oh, these boys. <laughs> These boys, these boys in this town that includes LA, they want nothing more. They act like, don't talk about me on stage. They're on their knees begging for yep. me to talk about them right now. It's pathetic, so I'll do it. Yep. <laughs> Very good. All right, are you ready for a rematch against Josh Gondelman? My enemy, Josh Gondelman? Yes. The meanest man in showbiz? That's yes. right. <laughs> All right. I'm ready. Let's bring back Josh Gondelman, everybody. There he is. So, Catherine Cohen, in our research mm. about you, we learned that you once worked at a Casper mattress showroom. The rumors are true. When I worked at the Casper mattress showroom, it was truly a, just a tiny but gorgeous um, loft apartment in Soho. And I would sit around <laughs> yeah. all day, like, eating the free food and laying on the mattress. This and- sounds like performance art. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then people walk in, they're like, I want to see this mattress. It was truly like two people would come in during the whole day. And they'd be like, can I try the bed? And I'd be like, yeah, let me get off it one sec. (laughs) It was a a poor excuse for a job. I mean, yeah, wild. So we're going to put your bed knowledge to the test in Mm. a game called Mm -hmm. Go to the Mattresses. It is not multiple choice. So if you don't know the answer, feel free just to ring in and make something up. Here we go. What supportive mattress technology was patented in 1865 but did not catch on until the 1950s? What? What? <laughs> that was great. Josh? So 18, I almost said Tempur-Pedic, but they didn't have Tempur-Pedic in 1865. No. That's just logic. <laughs> um, I want to say box spring. You are correct. Bed springs. Yeah. What Broadway musical premiered in 1959 and is an adaptation of the fairy tale The Princess and the Pea? <laughs> Catherine Cohn. Once Upon a Mattress. That is correct. 
All right, we've got two more for you. According to the Washington Post, what mattress was popularized in the 1960s but dates back to 3600 BCE when it was made by Persians out of goat skin? You seem... Yep, there Catherine, waterbed. Waterbed is correct, <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, sure. <laughs> They're also known as bladder mattresses. No. Yeah, that's why no one has them anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is, that isn't right. That isn't I haven't right. seen a waterbed in probably 20 years. No. And if well, I, we have some good news for you, Josh. <laughs> open the curtain, open the curtain. <laughs> you want a waterbed? Can I try to get off that waterbed? <laughs> <laughs> but they just must have been so... Heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't imagine putting them on the you, fifth floor of a New York apartment do you building. you fill them once they get into your house? I assume so, yeah. You got it, right? You just run a hose to your sink, and you're just like, this is going to be pretty cool under a leopard skin blanket. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound pretty cool. It, it does, does sound, sound cool. pretty cool, yeah. <laughs> I said it ironically, but now I mean yeah, it sincerely. You're like, maybe, maybe. All right, this is your last clue. What mattress technology was originally invented by NASA to absorb shock in airplane seats? That's Tempur-Pedic mm-hmm. technology. That is Tempur-Pedic yeah. foam, memory foam. Hey, guess what? It's a tie. You guys tied oh, it up. You're buddy. so good. What a rush. Catherine Cohen is performing her show, The Twist. She's gorgeous at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Let's hear one more time for Catherine Cohen and Josh Gondelman. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It is time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalists. Zach and Michelle, your final round is called Pride Month. The letters L, G, B, and T appear somewhere in every answer, but not necessarily next to each other or in that order. (laughs) Our big winner will receive an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube signed by Josh Gondelman and Catherine Cohen. We rolled a 20-sided die backstage, and Michelle is going first. Here we go. Michelle. When you set up a game of pool, this black sphere should be in the center of the triangular rack. It has a name? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The black sphere? Yes. I have no idea. We were looking for eight ball. Oh. Zach, according to the Oxford Dictionary, this term comes from the 19th century practice of smuggling alcohol in footwear. Bootlegging. Correct. Michelle, a Toreador participates in this activity. Bullfighting. That is correct. Zach, according to The Guardian, in 1931, conservationist Alice Rush McKeon popularized this word for someone who carelessly drops garbage. A litter bug. That is correct. Hey, Jonathan, what's the score right now? So far, it is two to one with Zach in the lead. Okay. Michelle, in Harry Potter, this fiery, enchanted object chose Cedric Diggory to compete in the Triwizard Tournament. The hat sorter thing? (laughs) (laughs) I like that very much. Uh, Good guess. Incorrect. We were looking for the Goblet of Fire. Zach, J.K. Rowling writes mystery novels under this pseudonym. No clue. The answer is Robert Galbraith. Michelle, this game called PUBG for short kicked off the Battle Royale video game trend. Three seconds. Juggernaut. Good guess. The answer is Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Zach, this purple looking UV lamp makes fluorescent colors glow. Blacklight. That is correct. Okay, we're at the halfway point, Jonathan. How are contestants doing? Well, Zach is in the lead, and it's three to one. Okay. Michelle, Studio 54 and the Copacabana are famous examples of this type of hotspot. Nightclub. That is correct. Zach, she was the first female Secretary of State. Madeleine Albright. That is correct. Michelle, this fellowship was started under President Truman in 1946 and provides grants for Americans to study abroad. Fulbright. That is correct. Zag, this term describes a jacket or coat with only one column of buttons. Single-breasted. That is correct. All right, we only have a few questions left. Jonathan, how's it going? Here's the situation. Zach is in the lead five to three. Michelle, if you get this question wrong, Zach wins the game. Michelle, this British territory off the coast of Spain is home to a famous rock. Gibraltar. That is correct. 
The score is now five to four. Zach, if you get this question right, you win. Zach, it's the most populous city in Vermont. Montpelier? I'm sorry, that is incorrect. The answer is Burlington. There's only one question left for each of you. So, Michelle, to stay in the game, you must answer correctly, and Zach has to miss his question. I don't know if I can handle this. It's very tense. (laughs) Okay. Michelle, this 1951 song written by Irving Gordon was originally titled Uncomparable. Unforgettable? That is correct. (laughs) Wow. Okay. This is the last question. If you answer this question correctly, you win. Zach, in comic books, it's the superhero alter ego of Barbara Gordon. Catwoman. I'm sorry, the answer was Batgirl, but it's a tie. Okay, ring in when you know the answer. Here we go. This term describes a spy who is secretly loyal to an adversary. Zach. Double agent? That is correct. Congratulations. Zach is our big winner, and that is our show. Our podcast drops each Friday. Listen and subscribe. Ask Me Another's house musician is Jonathan Colton. Hey, my name anagrams to Thou Jolt a Cannon. Our puzzles were written by Andrew Kane, Emily Winter, and senior writer Karen Lurie, with additional material by Ashley Brooke Roberts and Kara Weinberger. Our senior supervising producer is Rachel Neal. Ask Me Others produced by Mike Katzeff, Travis Larchuk, Kiara Powell, Nancy Seychow, Ramel Wood, and our intern Hannah Meyer Katkin, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recording by Damon Whittemore, Noriko Akabe, and Ari Davinellos. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell House. Hot Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm Herripe Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Ask Me Another is headed to the Pacific Northwest. On June 20th, we're bringing our puzzles, word games, and trivia to Seattle for a live taping at the Moore Theater. Plus, we'll be joined by comedian Nicole Byer from Netflix's Nailed It. And we want to see you there. For tickets and more info, head to amatickets.org or go to kuow.org slash events. This is NPR. Next time on Ask Me Another, we have the Queen of Bounce, Big Frida. She reveals what it's like to get a phone call from Beyonce and gives advice for aspiring twerkers. Can anyone twerk? Yes. Do I need special equipment? No. So join me, Ophira Eisenberg, on NPR's Ask Me Another, the answer to life's funnier questions. <laughs>